Hey, this is Steve Campbell from the C3 Church. Thank you for joining us for this podcast. Our prayer for you is that you'll be blessed, equipped, and enabled as you listen to this message. God bless you. Well, hi. Today we conclude our Creation Care series here at the C3 Church. We've been doing this for the last four weeks, and we've been doing a lot in relationship with a Russia. And today, We're calling this Climate Sunday, which again is in connection with Russia. Let me read to you how they define themselves. A charity which exists to equip the church to demonstrate the good news for God's earth. We're doing this today to raise awareness and support for this absolutely crucial issue. And I'd really encourage you all to go to this website, climatesunday.org. Because on that website, you will see that there's a declaration that you can sign. I've signed that on behalf of the C3 Church, and we can all sign it as individuals together as well. And this is going to be presented to the Prime Minister ahead of the Glasgow UN Climate Change Conference this coming November. I'm going to read to you what's in that declaration, and then we're going to go straight into an interview with Andy Atkins, the CEO of Russia. Let me read to you the declaration. Dear Prime Minister, The time is now to lead the UK towards a healthier, greener, fairer future. Ahead of hosting the United Climate Summit in Glasgow in 2021, we can build back better together if we unleash a clean energy revolution that boosts jobs across the UK, making our transport, power and housing fit for the future. Secondly, protect, restore and expand our green and wild spaces allowing nature to thrive, taking carbon from the air and boosting the nation's health. Three, leave no one behind by increasing support to those most vulnerable to the impacts of climate change at home and abroad. The UK must lead the world by ensuring our recovery gets us on track to net zero emissions and limits the rise in global temperature to 1.5 degrees C. Our best chance of building a resilient economy goes hand in hand with tackling climate change. We are ready to play our part and we call on you to join us. So go ahead, go over to that website or go to the arusha.uk or .org.uk websites. Have a look there and find some more about that declaration. Today we have the pleasure of having Andy Atkins, the CEO of Russia, to discuss these matters. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Andy, how you first got involved in environmental climate change uh, issues and what does the CEO of Russia look like? What does that entail? Well, thank, thanks for having me, first of all, Steve and, and, and family members there. Um, I'm Andy. I'm married to Sarah. We have three young adult children. And I come from a long line of church ministers, in fact. My grandfather, my dad, my uncles, ultimately my mother, now my wife and my son, too, are ordained ministers in, in, in the church of one sort or another. Um, I'm the one who got away, but it, it appears that God uh, wants me to serve in any case uh, as a lay person within the church, Uh, and that's what I'm doing. So um, my interest in environment, really, and in, in the environment and social justice goes back to the very early days. My, my parents were actually missionaries in the far, far north of Australia and some Pacific islands and on the mainland. Um, it was an incredible environment, very rich uh, tropical environment. 
but there was also a lot of racial injustice. So I kind of grew up in a situation surrounded by both beautiful environment and a lot of uh, injustice, which I think it sort of got ingrained in me from the start, really, to care about both. Um, the first part of my working life as an adult, I've been working on international development issues, things like refugees, unfair trade rules and so on. But by the mid 90s, I was seeing more and more of the impact on people in the poorer countries of the world from environmental degradation, whether that was deforestation for beef production, which was then causing floods and loss of traditional food supplies for indigenous people in South America or whether it was illegal mining, poisoning water supplies and fish stocks, which was then killing communities living by the rivers. So I was already aware, I think, of the huge link between environmental health and, and human poverty um, when more and more reports began to surface about the threat of climate change. I realized I'd already been seeing that evidence in, in my work with Tear Fund by then. Just about everywhere I went in the developing world, locals were complaining about weather patterns saying they were changing, that it was wreaking havoc with their agriculture. Often the rains coming at the wrong time, for example, or much longer periods of drought or intense storms, uh, which they hadn't had previously. Um, you know, I was tempted to start with, but to think that this was just, you know, hearsay or some old codgers believing it was always better in their youth, but actually the scientific data bore it out. My own eyes were bearing it out. So by the end of the 1990s, I, I realized that climate change wasn't just the green issue for tree huggers only, but actually it was a really, really big issue for human development. And it wasn't just something that might happen a long time in the future, but it was something that was already happening now. So that led me to set up the climate change program when I was at Tear Fund, uh, I think the first of its kind among the big UK aid agencies. But of course, you know, 10 years later, everybody has recognized it's a really big development issue and are working on it. Um, from Tear Fund, I went to Friends of the Earth for six years. And then after six years there, went to Arosha, back into the Christian fold. And what I've been doing there really as chief exec is uh, leading the organization, working with many volunteers, a, a small staff, uh, an expert group of trustees to try to help the organization have more of a national impact. It started very locally doing great local conservation work in the community there. Um, but we honestly believe that if we can work with others and give other people the tools to, to act on this issue, um, we can achieve much more. So the last five years, we've really been rolling out programs to help all sorts of Christians and churches to take action to care for God's creation. So the Eco Church program um, that C3 is part of, uh, now has 3,000 churches across the country uh, working on it. Um, we have a conservation partners program, which brings together our own nature reserves, including uh, Fox Earth Meadows near you, um, and various other uh, church managed land around the country to look after nature. And we've now launched a program for individuals and families too. So my job really is to kind of guide those programs to manage the staff, to get the message out about creation care, um, and actually to do some fundraising as well. All of this uh, needs paying for, particularly running the reserves is not cheap. Um, that's what I do in my day job. Wow. A lot of experience there from different perspectives, from Missionary Kid to Friends of the Earth to Tear Fund, now Russia. Russia is a particularly a Christian organisation, so maybe from that context and addressing today what we're looking at, could you comment why you think it's important or vital that Christians care about these masses? 
Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, as Christians, we are actually human beings, first of all. And I think any human being would be wise to care about something that threatens large scale loss of life and economic disruption, just as we'd all be wise to care about the COVID pandemic uh, presently. So just as human beings, I think it's sensible that we care about these things. But I think there's an additional couple of things as Christians. We, we see it at Rostra as having a double mandate to care for creation. I think, first of all, um, as we all know, uh, in the Bible, in many, many places, and Jesus says it in the gospel, we're commanded to love our neighbor, aren't we? And that's defined as, as, as caring for the poor, the vulnerable in our midst. Now, we already know that climate change is having a massive impact on the poor and the vulnerable in the world. So it's really hard to talk about caring for our neighbor, loving our neighbor as we're commanded to do, if we shut our eyes and ears to the massive threat to the poor and vulnerable from climate change. So that's the first thing. But if you go right to the beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter one, and throughout those books, we see that God has created the world, the universe, and everything in it. Um, this is repeated endless times through the Bible, in Psalms, in the Gospels, in, in many other places. And he's created it, and not just left it alone, but he's created it and loves it, and he wants us to love it too. That's made very, very clear. So our double mandate as Christians is to care for creation because actually people depend on it, and to care for creation because God made it and loves it, so why should we trash it? That's, that's really what is unique about the Christian faith, I believe and where we have a really important role to play now in these critical times of environmental breakdown in turning around this loss and turning it into something beautiful and, and, and a victory, actually, for God's love for the world. Right. There's a, a much greater awareness now of climate change and um, obviously humanity's role to play in that and the effects that have been done through humankind. That that's obvious for all to see but what can we do practically and very much um, who should do it because sometimes I think we we think it's someone else's responsibility them over there whoever them are who should be involved and, and what practically can we do on climate change issues no it's a, it's a very good question and it can seem very big very overwhelming uh, for many of us actually and I've been working on it a long time I feel that sometimes so everyone can be forgiven for that but the good news is, if, if humans have created this, um, we have uh, brought about a level of human-induced climate change way over and above any natural cycle. And natural cycles do exist. If we've created it, we've got the best chance of undoing it. And there's lots of things we can do. At one level, it's actually quite a simple problem. And it's complicated in other ways, but it's quite simple because it's caused by some very identifiable things. It's caused by burning fossil fuels, oil, gas, wood, etc which uh, puts particular pollutants in the atmosphere that help heat up the planet. It's also caused by clearing habitats like forests, wetland, natural grasslands, which not only release greenhouse gases into the atmosphere, but they deplete the so-called greenhouse gas sinks, natural systems that absorb these dangerous pollutants if, if there's too many put into the atmosphere. Now, the good news is we know that's what's causing it. So actually what we need to do is quite simple at one level, is to get our economies off fossil fuel and onto renewable energy and to stop the activities that destroy forests, wetlands and so on, and instead to restore them. Now to bring that down to a local level, what a church can do, what individuals can do, for example, um, that actually means, first of all, looking as a church and church community and as families, uh, whether we can get off 
using fossil fuels to heat and light our houses and onto renewable energy. That's incredibly easy to do. You can switch to renewable energy tariff in about 40 minutes online as a church or an individual, individual family. And when we did it, um, we actually saved money from it. it. It's cheaper, not more expensive now. Other things you can do is look at your transport. Um, how are you getting about? It's so much better to cycle, to walk if you can, than to jump in a petrol diesel powered car if you can avoid it. And those things are good for your health and your pocket as well. Another thing we need to look at is, is food consumption. Um, we know that it takes a lot more land, a lot more energy to produce meat than it does to produce grains and, and vegetables. Actually, doctors are also telling us that in this country, we generally much too much meat for our own health. So for our health and for the climate, we would do well to balance our diet more towards vegetables, grains, pulses, and so on. I don't personally believe we have to cut meat completely, but most of us could do with eating a bit less of it. All of those things help, but it's a lot easier to do those things together, to do them with other people and to learn as we go which is one of the reasons TFUN has these schemes that you can join for free, like Eco Church or Wild Christian, so you can do it with others. Uh, so my understanding, Andy, is that uh, Russia started off as a, a nature conservation charity or organisation. Uh, obviously, it's evolved over the years. Um, what is Russia doing right now about climate change? Y yes, you're right. We are rooted very much in, in nature conservation, and we're part of an international family of Christian nature conservations around the world in about 20 different countries. Um, but we do believe as Christians, as I've said that, uh, and we can see from the science and the Bible that all of these things are connected. Nature is affected by climate, climate by nature and so on. So if we really care about conservation, we've got to address climate change, which is indeed why many of the, of, of the bigger and, and perhaps more famous uh, conservation organizations in this country, RSPB, WWF and so on, they're all working on climate change. Now, what are we doing uh, very specifically? Well, to start with, we're monitoring the impact of climate change on our own reserves or on the wildlife there. There's some very interesting work going on very near you actually on our, on our Fox Earth Meadows Reserve. So do talk to uh, Mark Prina and, and, and David Chandler and your own community about that because they're involved in that. The second thing we're doing is making it possible for our supporters and any churches and individuals who want to be involved in this to tackle both climate change and nature through our programs. So, for example, the Eco Church program is just as concerned about getting churches to look at their carbon emissions, um, where they get their energy from, helping them switch to renewable energy, for example, as it is concerned about helping them to manage their land for nature. Likewise, with our Wild Christian program. So we can we can do both. We do do both in our programs. I think a third area where we're working on this is by speaking up as Christians and a Christian organization, often working with others in coalitions to raise our voice to the government, asking the government to take action on this. And that's where Climate Sunday is, is, is a great example. That's something we've been very involved in setting up. It's only gonna go for a year and we're very involved in steering it and contributing to it as a major collective action where we can have much more impact together as Christian charities working on this together on climate change than if we were working separately. So those are some of the things we're doing. Right. You can answer this next question however you like. You can take us off piece and then we can come back to the core of the subjects we're looking at or it can be related. 
Um, what, what keeps you awake at night? And it could be you, your son and your wife being involved in church leadership. Uh, you, you choose, or it could be related to these matters. What keeps you, Andy Atkins, awake at night? Well, it's a really good question. Uh, um, it does worry me a lot, you know, the, the world we are leaving to those who come after us. Um, I'm now a young grandfather. I obviously have my own children. I really worry about the state of the environment, impacts of climate change on them. But I've been living with that probably for about 25 years. That's how long I've been working on it. And I've kind of got used to dealing with some very bleak statistics. I think what actually keeps me more awake at night, if anything does, is is losing the opportunity to do something. Um, I, it drives me crazy when I can see there's something good we could do, but we don't do it, um, whether it's in my own life or whether it's more broadly as national or international society. Um, so for example, right now, we have a massive opportunity to do something about climate change in the run up to the climate negotiations this year, actually because of COVID, believe it or not, the government is about to spend vast amounts of money building back the economy after the COVID pandemic. They can either spend it on the right things, on renewable energy, on renewable infrastructure, on, on, on um, energy efficiency on houses uh, and so on, or they can spend it on the wrong things and waste this huge amount of money, which ultimately we will all pay for from our taxes. We will have to pay that is those loans back and much of that will come from our taxes. Or they can spend it on the wrong things and lock in more carbon emissions, more environmental destruction. Now, that kind of opportunity and threat, that's what keeps me awake at night, to be honest. Hmm. That kind of sparks a question in me that has been asked of me while we've been doing this series. Um, we're in the midst of a global pandemic. Why is this the time to be looking at climate change issues? Is this the right time to be looking at them? Uh, I, I, I totally understand the question. I mean, you know, we are, uh, those of us, who have not been through war, I guess, which is most of us in this country have never known a time like this. There's grief, there's fear, there's economic dislocation. If anybody's at home looking after children who are not in school or looking after vulnerable relatives, it's a terrible time. Um, I, I totally get that. But actually, it's also a very important time to act on this issue. Um, first of all, for the reason I've just said, actually, a huge amount of money is about to be spent, ultimately our money, on rebuilding the economy. We either get it right or we get it wrong. I mean, to speak very rapidly to government by signing that declaration, for example, and many other ways to spend it in the right way, because we're never gonna get this input again, uh, financially, that could be used for good. Mm. I think the second thing though, is that you know climate change absolutely hasn't gone away. Indeed, last year, I think 2020 was one of the twin uh, hottest uh, years on record scientifically. This is accelerating the whole time. So if we've seen the kind of destruction that uh, COVID can do to the economy, and it's terrible, we need to bear in mind that the predictions are that climate change will be very, very much worse if we go into a runaway scenario where we cannot stop it. So there's every incentive, if you like, to kind of learn from the deep tragedy we are currently in and say, okay, let's head this off. Let's not let this happen again. Let's seriously tackle something that in the end would be much, much worse. So that's why we think it's, we've got a great opportunity to do this now, um, as well as a real threat if we don't. So today is a Climate Sunday. We're involved in that. It's an initiative from yourselves and others. Um, 
What's the reason behind it and, and how's it going? Oh, thanks. Well, the reason is quite simple, that, that um, we do believe as Christians that we have uh, both an obligation and a kind of joy, if you like, to serve the community by, uh, by acting on climate change, by acting on this real threat to people. And the sooner we do it, the better. But a number of us saw the opportunity to do that in a very powerful way in this year running up to the climate negotiations when the UK, uniquely for the UK, will be hosting those international climate negotiations. So we're trying to do something that allows churches to do what many of them want to do anyway, but helps them to do it, but also to make that count in terms of speaking to the rest of the country, witnessing to our politicians about what we want them to do. So it's going very well. Um, it, we launched uh, a few months ago. The website's up and running, some great resources on it. We had churches across denominations and church streams uh, in all four nations of Britain holding climate services. And uh, we're expecting many, many more. We're hoping that at least 10,000 churches over this next year will hold a climate summit and will make a commitment to do more themselves. Um, whether it's to go to the next stage in Eco Church or whatever seems appropriate to them, but we'll also sign that common call so we can say to the government, look, all of these churches are prepared to take action. Now we want you, UK's climate house, in order before you lead the international community. That's much more likely to lead to a good outcome from those negotiations at the end of the year. It's a simple idea. Um, it's, it's got buy-in right across the nominations and church streams. And um, it's, that's keeping me awake at night, not uh, out of nightmares, but just there's a lot of work to do on it. It's, it's growing very far. Those websites, uh, the website that you mentioned, climatechange.org uh, there, and the Arashi website, are excellent sites for information and uh, practical action to help us on, on these issues. But if you read around, or as I've read around, listen to other commentators, um, secular, Christian, whatever you want to call them, there's a lot of negativity around this kind of approach, a lot of kind of doomsday stuff. You, from your experience, from your knowledge, from what you know, Andy, do you have a hope that we can avoid a catastrophe? Yes, I do. Clear, climate change is already proving a catastrophe in many places around the world. If you're a farmer who's suffering prolonged droughts or disastrous floods or somebody with respiratory problems dying prematurely from heat stress. This is already a disaster and that is happening in large numbers around the world. But I do know that we can, uh, we know what to do about this and I do believe we can avoid this causing a runaway global permanent catastrophe. We just need to do the right things and we need to do it much faster. Now, will we succeed? Honestly, the jury is out. But I do have hope in a number of things that I see, and I, as, you, as you say, I've been working on this a while now, I do see much greater public awareness of the need for action. I see whole sections of society, like the churches themselves, taking this much more seriously and, and being prepared to challenge themselves, challenge ourselves to greater action. Uh, for example, I mentioned Eco Church. We only launched that five years ago. We've now got over 3,000 churches uh, joining this scheme, wanting to go further faster. I see the next generation in particular demanding action. There's some really interesting research on this out this week um, by, by Tear Fund, um, showing that most young people believe the church should be doing more. Yeah. And I see conservation, health, development, climate organisations increasingly acting together, which surely must be good. 
So I do see some great opportunities ahead, actually, for society to do something about this finally, and for individuals and churches to act. My own opinion is also that actually, if this is of God, if it is right that we help our neighbour, and if we care for his creation, which, you know, my reading of the Bible says it's 100% right. If it's right, then surely God will bless those initiatives. And that really motivates me. I think when the church gets going on this, nationally and internationally, I believe we will have huge change, and that will also be a huge witness to wider society. And that really motivates me. That doesn't that doesn't keep me up at night. That really excites me and gets me up early in the morning, if you know what I mean. Fantastic. Okay, last question, because our time has gone. Um, what can we, as a worshipping community, as a C3 church, um, spread across different places, but what can we do, and what can we as individuals do, uh, in order to work together for this and the whole area around climate change? Well, there's, there's the immediate, there's the long term, as you've said, just by registering this service as a Climate Sunday service on the Climate Sunday website and signing that common call as a church, you will be uh, making a difference. You'll be joining with others to demonstrate what churches can do. And that demonstration is so important. Um, then after you've done that, there's that question of just getting going on whatever commitment you have made as a church. Um, that, that can be a long term thing. You might be saying, OK, let's try and get to silver in eco church within the next two years. Well, there's a lot of work involved in that, but it's a good, 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 good reason to work together as a community, to work with others in your community, to, to make a lot of changes that will benefit you as well as the planet. So get going on that commitment. Then as individuals, you can also sign that common call, Steve, as you've mentioned, that's fantastic. We'd ask all Christians to sign that via the website. But then I'd encourage you as individuals and households also to think about that long-term action. You can only go at the pace that you can go. The important thing is to constantly pick the next thing you're going to do, do it, and then go on to the next one. And we try to make that easy for people by, for example, offering our, our wild Christian information bulletin and an increasingly growing community. You can sign up to that so we can give you ideas as well as biblical reflections, reflections about care for creation. So you're really marrying your faith with your action. Um, I think that's really important. Lastly, do it with others. We know, don't we, in the Christian life, trying to do things all alone can be very lonely and, and slow work. The more we get together with others and share our successes and our failures, our hopes and our experiments, actually it becomes more fun um, and actually we make faster progress. So we see Eco Church as a community to help each other. We see Wild Christian as a community to help each other, not just a scheme that, that a Russia um, sends out an email once, once a month. It's much, much more than that. So I'd really encourage people to do a, make an immediate commitment and then follow that through by working with others in, in these or other ways. Andy, thanks for taking the time out to, to be with us today. We appreciate that. We appreciate the work of Arosha. We're glad to, to partner with you. Um, we do have, as you've mentioned, uh, desires to go from bronze to silver here as a church. We have a, what we've in the past called an eco-church group. Uh, we're going to rebrand that as a creation care group. And you can get involved in that as a church. Um, please just email or get in touch about it. And it is our intention to keep on this together, as you've said. So thank you, Andy. We appreciate your time. God bless you and the work of Arosha. So everyone else who's been listening today, we thank you for listening. Uh, do follow and keep in touch with all that's going on. 
and this is the conclusion this week of our creation care series but we will be continuing to care for our creation in what we do god bless you thanks for listening so there we go the end of this uh, four-week journey we hope that we've inspired you informed you and equipped you and this has not been just a, a flash in the pan we want to continue to see what we can do in order to impact our world and care for creation in this way one thing we said right at the beginning and i i had a quote from an excellent book on this whole subject where the guy howard snyder talked about humanity being at the very center of god's redemptive plan but not at the circumference of it that it embraces all of creation the earth the cosmos is the lord's and everything in it and we want to respond in our time in our generation this is a prophetic moment this has been a prophetic series and is for us to respond accordingly but we always give opportunity we want to do that now as well as saying hey get involved in creation care connect with us in some way as a church play your part do what you need to do but if maybe you're watching or listening and you've never submitted your life to the Lord of creation, the one who sustains it with the word of his power, you can do that. You can enter a relationship with this creator God. And you do that through a prayer. And I'm gonna pray a prayer now. For some of you, you may be praying this for the first time, or you've gone away from God, and for some reason you've connected today, you saw this, you were interested in the subject, and you've gone away from God, but you wanna come back, you can use this prayer as well. And I'm going to pray a prayer. You can respond, pray in each line after me, and then let us know in the comments on Facebook or on YouTube or even email us at hello at the c3.uk. So yeah, today I've re recommitted my life, or for the first time I've given my life to Jesus. You can do that. Pray this prayer with me. Say this. Lord Jesus, God of creation, Lord of the earth, today I give you my life thank you that you love me enough to die for me on a cross forgive me for self-centered living today I choose you as my living Savior I give my life to you amen amen as I say, if you prayed that, let us know. Facebook, YouTube, email, somehow. You believe it in your heart, you confess it with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is returning. It seems like that time is closer. Let's make sure we all play our part in our generation and are ready for his return. Hey, we're going to finish this service today. We're not going to be doing an interview afterwards. The whole of that service preach time was, was an interview. We're going to finish this service with a song of worship to Him, our great God. Wherever you are, why don't you stand? Why don't you lift up hands? Why don't you engage with your body, your mind, your, your voice as we sing this last song of worship? God bless you. Let's worship Him in song. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We pray it's been a blessing to you. 
Why not share it with your friends and family through social media? If you're not on the regular podcast list, then why don't you subscribe? Thank you especially to those that give. If you want to give to this ministry, you can go to our website, thec3.uk slash giving and get involved. God bless you. Thank you.